podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there guys and welcome along to the very, very first live DNF1 podcast where we review the Canadian Grand Prix and if you guys are new to the channel, let me just let you know that we are the independent F1 podcast made by fans and for the fans as we review races, uh, previews and all of the latest gossip in the world of Formula 1 and we relay that back to you for your listening and viewing pleasure and joining me on this episode in the panel tonight we have our dnf1 regulars courtney pine and lee wannington and joining us also as a very special guest for our first live dnf1 podcast we have luke from the 1892 reds podcast so guys let's get into this straight away courtney first of all how are you doing and how can we sum up the first dnf1 live review of the canadian grand prix in one word excited exciting certainly and uh, very, very pleased with the uh, finale we got there. It was certainly exciting and um, it bodes well for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, sorry, guys, if we're having a few technical difficulties with the audio at the moment, that should sort right itself out because it is a little bit louder than uh, you probably would like. So bear with me one second while I try to adjust that. I do apologise. That's more a software issue than us, I'm afraid. So it's gone off to the perfect start as always. <laughs> but hello to you joining us in the chat at the moment hope you guys are okay just going to keep an eye on the audio for a sec whilst that sorts itself out hopefully that should be okay in a sec anyway look let's get on with this review and guys uh, a very strange race obviously a lot of incidents going on it was a little bit uh, lethargic in the middle but it certainly lived up towards the end of the race which resulted in max verstappen getting another big big win and it's his sixth well the sixth race in a row for red bull Despite the late Ferrari pressure, it it does seem right now that nothing can really stop Red Bull and Max Verstappen right now, it must be said. Uh, Lee, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, you could almost argue um, that we're going to be looking at a, a season of Red Bull domination, not that um, one that obviously I think Luke would be over the moon with that being the our representative uh, Red Bull fan here. But um, yeah, it was such an enjoyable end to the race, so... As long as we get close racing, I'll be very happy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it looks, I think the audio issues are sorting themselves out now, guys. So do yeah. apologise about that. That was a, a software issue. There's nothing we could really do about that. Obviously, going to have these teething issues when you go live for the first time. But yeah, absolutely rightly. It just seemed that no matter what pressure Max Verstappen had, and he had a lot of pressure towards the end of the race, it must be said, yeah. given that Carlos Sainz was all over the back of him, looking to try and find a way through, but for one reason or another, just couldn't get the move done. And it's another big 25 points in a world championship, which right now seems to be going in one direction. Luke, going to come to you on this one. Thank you for joining us. What did you make of that performance from Max Verstappen? It all seemed a bit too easy as the race was developing, but towards the end, he had a big scare there. How did you feel about that one? Did you feel that Max was really under any serious pressure or did you think that he had Carlos Sainz well and truly covered off in the race? Well, first of all, uh, let, thanks for letting me come back on. I uh, really enjoy coming on the show talking about it. Formula 1. gives me a bit of a break, actually, when obviously talking about Liverpool all the time. But um, yeah, it was... Um, 
it was a strange race, obviously, last 15 to 20 laps. Obviously, Max, in my opinion, you know, got the good start from Alonso, got away from him um, and sort of was comfortable. Obviously, the, the, the retirement for Perez, they used the virtual safety car to their advantage, obviously pitted Max early. Um, so it made Ferrari think a bit more with their strategies. Um, but yeah, it livened up the last sort of 15 to 20 laps with the the safety car with Sonoda's incident. So um I don't think he was overly comfortable towards the end, of course. I do think Max had it under control in a sense, but obviously, yeah, you could see that, you know, the fresher tyres did help signs towards the end of the race. But I was saying to Courtney off air, like it, if Max was at least just over half a second in front going into that final straight, then I think Max would have had him covered. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a for me, it was it was something that I can definitely see from Max over the last year or two. It's sounding a bit biased, obviously, as Lisa as a Red Bull fan. It's 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 like a champion's drive for me, under that pressure, you know, able to deliver at the at the moments where if you want to win races and win world championships, that's what you need to do, in my opinion. So, yeah, in the end, it looked comfortable, but definitely signs did put him under a lot of pressure towards the end. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, it's important to know, obviously, at the moment, we seem to be in a fight with Red Bull and Ferrari where we're still waiting for a Ferrari to make a clean move on a Red Bull on merit, not influenced by pit stops or any sort of safety car caveats that you might think of. We still haven't had that yet. So we're going to have to wait and see if this is going to continue. But right now, it's certainly looking great for Red Bull. Just seeing you guys in the chat. Now, of course, this is the first time that you guys are going to be able to interact with us live as we're recording the DNF1 F1 podcast. So please do feel free to add your comments on the race and what your thoughts are. And of course, we will read some of the best ones out on the show and I'll put them to the panel to get their thoughts as well. So do get those in, guys. And of course, if you are new to the channel, please do consider subscribing if you like what we do. We're very close to 700 subscribers. We're getting a lot of great feedback from you guys that tune into the qualifying watch-alongs that we do. So we'd really love for you to join the DNF1 family and show your support to us. We'd really appreciate that. And for those of you that already do, we thank you apps well we thank you unconditionally for it of course so looking through the chat we've got uh, mingling lee joining us once again hi mingling hope you are well and um yeah it seemed like it was a good race red bull at least for one of their cars which we'll get into a little bit later on yusuf in the chat saying big up everyone george allen second in there not quite sure second probably fourth by the looks of it probably a george <laughs> russell uh, for today uh, 1892 Red Podcast, Luke, your co-host Rick Cup weighing in saying Mick Schumacher yeah, might as well guys. call it a day, <laughs> him and his mate Latifi. Um, well, we might as well talk about that briefly. Obviously, it was a difficult day for Mick Schumacher. He did so well in qualifying and unfortunately, reliability was just so unfortunate for him. But what do you make of your co-host's thoughts on that one? Do you agree with that or do you think that Mick should be given a little bit more credit for his performance whilst his car was in the race? I generally think he drove a decent race. Um, I, I was saying about, you know, mix under pressure because he's had a few bad retirements this year, obviously, you know, Saudi Arabia and there was a couple of other places where he obviously didn't have his best drives, but, you know, he used the conditions to his advantage and qualifying. He qualified, was it fifth or sixth? I think he qualified yesterday. Um, and I think, you know, using the, we all knew that I felt that he would be fighting around the sort of lower end of the points today, but, yeah, just a mechanical issue. Obviously, that's that's left him out of the race. And it obviously does go full back on, you know, the reliability issues that them Ferrari engines have been having over the last few races. And it's not it's not Mick's fault in any way whatsoever. Um, Magnussen obviously had an issue with his front wing, which is obviously an error by him. But 
you know, it was a disappointing day all round for Haas because of, you know, those two incidents. But I think today Mick showed that he has got ability and if he can, can keep that consistently throughout the rest of the season, then I don't think a lot of people would be sort of saying about his drives recently. But no, I think it was quite harsh today. I think he was harshly out sort of, well, he should for me, if he had stayed in the race, I'm pretty sure he would have finished inside the top 10. So no, I think it was a little bit harsh, but you know, Ricky with his uh, F1 debates, obviously say no more, you know. <laughs> yeah, he certainly uh, fires from the hip for, uh, from someone that's actually listened to his uh, opinions. And as I said, you know, it's always opinion. So it's always a bit of fun. You know, we all have them. So no one is absolutely right or absolutely wrong. There you go. But guys, let's get back to the battle at the front. Obviously, there was that threat that Max Verstappen thought he might have from the start of the race where you had Fernando Alonso alongside him after a brilliant qualifying performance from Fernando. And unfortunately for Fernando, the, the Red Bulls, as they often seem to be this season, seem to be so good off the start. And then from that point, Max looked like he was in control. Carlos Sainz looked most likely to be the biggest threat to Max. He managed to get past Alonso relatively easily. And then the race was very truly on. But there is some level of caution for Red Bull right now that Perez obviously retiring with some engine issues where he just said he just lost power. It looked like it was a transmission issue where it just seemed to lose gears and he wasn't able to continue. So given that Red Bull haven't had reliability issues for a while and this is the first one Perez has had for some time, do you think that might be a cause for concern going forward this season? Lee, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the first, as you said, it's the first retirement for a while, but there's still some gremlins under there that Red Bull has still got to sort out, be it mechanical, if it's a hydraulic, if it's a DRS. I mean, uh, they, they've got some gremlins across the car that they've improved on, but they still haven't completely ironed down, got that uh, perfectly under control. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, the, there's all right, not unfortunately, fortunately, none of the, the Ferrari team had any uh, mechanical um, or engine failures um, this weekend, but. They just still shows you that the teams across the grid are still working and improving their reliability for these new, um, used, new lovely cars. Yeah, absolutely. I think it will prove so, uh, rather encouraging, I suppose, to Ferrari in this regard because they're a team equally that's had a lot of reliability issues. And uh, for them, it might be a little bit of a boost to see Red Bull not completely bulletproof as it seemed that they might be. Um, Courtney, what were your thoughts on the Perez incident today? Do you feel that that took you a bit by surprise, given how reliable Red Bull have been, or do you think that it's just one of those that's going to happen with these new cars and how stringent these new engine rules have proven to be so far? Yeah, no, I remember um, we was having a discussion in the uh, qualifying stream when there was Perez had a slight scare at the beginning of Q1, and I remember saying, you know, we've, uh, there's, there's been a lot of talk, you know, Max has had a lot of luck with, you know, other teams falling around him, but actually when you think about it, uh, Verstappen's actually had the lion's share of the issues that Red Bull as a team have had. So it was about time that it started to even itself out and Perez was to have an issue. But I do get the feeling, it's something that me and you were talking about, Adam, in our um, DNF1 group chat during the race. I'm just wondering, because we've gone into this brand, these brand new regulations, big changes to the cars, I just wonder if some of the regulations that have been brought in this season about development and cost capping, I wonder if they've been a little bit too harsh and maybe they should have given the teams a bit more leeway and then going into 2023, 2024, you know, be a bit more tight with the budget cap because, look, as a neutral fan, I want to be seeing 
as much close racing as possible. I understand you want to make the sport as affordable for as many teams as possible, but I'm just hoping that these new regulations and budget caps that have been brought in aren't going to make the the championship battle tail off too early and we're going to be robbed of a lot of good racing. Yeah, it does seem that way. I mean, there is scope for teams to bring reliability upgrades, providing that they don't also equal performance upgrade. And of course, the FIA... Uh, do have a very difficult undertaking to try and uphold this and make sure that teams don't gain any hidden advantages from, you know, having increased reliability other than the fact that they'll be able to push their engines a little bit harder than they would have done otherwise before the, the upgrade was put on. There's not much you can do about that. It's certainly reminiscent in a way of what Mercedes were doing last year. They were able to push their engines like crazy, although they were taking them like they were sweets in a, in a sweet shop, really. That's how, that's how things were at the time. But as the race went on, obviously this brought out the virtual safety car. It, it seemed at the time that Ferrari might have missed the trick, not pinning signs where Verstappen went in. Obviously, uh, the, obviously Lewis Hamilton went in as well. It seemed like they might have stolen March. They did get a reprieve when Mick Schumacher obviously had his retirement as well. So I think for the benefit of the fact that we got that uh, reprieve, we're not really going to argue too much or debate too much about whether Ferrari made a mistake. We'll never know whether that proved to be the right call or not. It looked like Ferrari were committed to the longer stint. And at the very least, they probably would have finished with signs in second place anyway. So it probably wouldn't have made a difference. Um, but they could have won. We don't know. So we'll, we'll completely skip over that. But towards the end of the race, of course, the big moment came when Yuki Tsunoda, I think it was about lap 50 or something like that, where had a very embarrassing moment coming out of the pit lane on cold, hard tyres, just went straight off at turn one, which brought up the safety car. What did we make of this one, guys? Uh, do, can we put it down to something that might have happened on the car? Or do you think it was just Yuki being a bit overzealous and got caught embarrassed more than anything else? Uh, Luke, what were your thoughts on this, seeing as uh, you seem to be grinning thinking back about that incident with Sonoda? That's driver error. Hey, it driver, is. Like, you, the only thing I could think of, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Albon that was in front of him on the, on the on turn two. And I generally think that was the window where they wanted to try and get in front of. And he's just overcut it. He's obviously just gone too fast in. There was, I heard something after the race that they were blaming a bump in the road. I mean, there's bumps all over the track. I mean, like this, you know, that for me, that's driver error. Um, it obviously opened the window and it's quite surprising actually, because, you know, with Alpha Tauri, obviously, the, you know, the, the sister team to Red Bull, you know, you would, you would think that, maybe someone like Christian Horner could have turned around and said to the AlphaTauri bosses, you know, don't overcook it, you know, just keep it steady, keep it tight. We don't want another virtual safety car or a safety car. For me, as I mean, Courtney's agree, obviously, I don't know if everyone else agrees. That's driver error for me. That was that was it very, is. very poor driving from Yuki Sonoda. And uh, it caused a few hiccups towards the end of the race. So uh, fortunately, you know, on my behalf, the Verstappen held on. But yeah, for me, Adam's as simple as driver error for me from Yuki Sonoda. Yeah, I mean, he was certainly flying the flag for the team because Gasly obviously had those problems in qualifying. He had problems in the race with the car and Yuki once again was in a reliable position. Bear in mind, Yuki was starting at the very back of the grid behind Charles Leclerc. So he managed to, you know, make that one stop work for him. Obviously, he pitted quite late on. He was battling in and around the points. And then, as I said, compared to how his form has been this season, quite uncharacteristically making that error, you can't afford to do that. But um, look, I, I think we're all in agreement that that was a driver error. And on a street circuit, you're going to get punished like that. So we'll move on from that moment, not to go on it too much, because um, I'm sure Yuki will just have to learn from it. But he's still got that in the locker, unfortunately. It brought out the safety car. 
This provided the perfect opportunity for Carlos Sainz to get into the pits, have a cheap pit stop, brought him out right behind Max Verstappen with an opportunity to attack at the end. But he went out on the harder tyres. And I was a bit perplexed by this because I wasn't sure if he had fresh mediums or not. I'm going to assume that they didn't. But uh, in my mind, I felt that because Max's hard tyres were only a few laps older than Sainz, that the fact that Ferrari only had a fresh set of hards available to Sainz, whereas with Leclerc, they had a fresh set of mediums, that ultimately proved in my mind to be the defining factor as to why Max Verstappen won this race above all else. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that one, Lee? Would you agree with that? Or do you feel that um, Max would have kept signs behind regardless of the tyres that he had available to him? Well, it, if they had fresh mediums, they would definitely give him Carlos an extra weapon in his armoury to attack Max. So not having those fresh mediums is obviously not being helpful. But Max probably would have um, kept Carlos behind easy enough. I th- I, my feeling is, although there was, there was pressure towards the end, um, I think Max had Carlos in hand and under control as much as I was willing Carlos to get his first win. Yeah, the sen- there was a real sense there. I mean, of course, look, for those of you that follow this show will know that I'm a Ferrari fan, so you'll know that I was obviously going to be wanting Carlos signed to try and get the result, but... It just felt like this was an opportunity. There was there was a moment. You know, sometimes you get in races, there's always a moment something happens. You think, okay, there's an opportunity here. You know, we, we start going down that route, eight mile, mum spaghetti time. You know, there, there is a moment here to cash in. And it just felt like once those harder tyres went in that car, I just sat in and I thought, ah, uh, I just don't know. I just think that Max with six lap old harder tyres, if it was 16 laps or 26 laps, fair yeah. enough. But six yeah. laps, no. I mean, Max's tyres were pretty much as fresh as Carlos's were to a degree. They'd, they'd hardly gone through a proper heat cycle. So I don't feel there was much of a tyre advantage. But to be fair, Sainz was really all over the back of Max. And it was an exciting battle to the end, which we saw Max under a lot of pressure. And, you know, we, we don't know how close Carlos would have been to passing Max or how if Max was able to handle it. But once again, despite the fact that in the past Max has had a history sometimes to lose his call, he was absolutely ice cold in that battle with Carlos Sainz. Courtney, did you feel that Carlos Sainz was going to get past Max or did you feel after a few laps and that initial charge, Max seemed to have that one covered off? What were your thoughts? I think the best way to describe the situation for the fans was it was a tease. It was a massive tease for us to watch. But I'm going to take several things from this battle. I think, first of all, you have to give Max Verstappen credit for the defensive driving he did there. That was world-class, world-champion level defending. So you've got to give credit where credit's due. You know, I have my opinions on certain personnel Red Bull, but you cannot take credit away from Max Verstappen's ability as a racing driver. Second of all, what a brilliant performance by Carlos Sainz. That's exactly what he needed at Ferrari. And that's what Ferrari needs from him going forward. It was an opportunity for Carlos Sainz on a personal level with uh, Charles Leclerc being further back. And he did pretty much everything that he could in that car. And the final point I want to make is I feel that the Ferrari pace relative to the Red Bull when they were actually close to each other was actually encouraging from a neutral fan's perspective. And I'm hoping this is what we get to see because I ha- I'm dubious whether Ferrari can catch up in the championship. But in terms of getting close racing for the rest of the season, that was certainly encouraging. Yeah, it was very fun to watch. And I think, you know, what was really interesting, I think there's certain nuances to the way a driver operates when they're defending. And I think with Max Verstappen, you get that initial period where if you don't get Max early, you may not get him at all. And he seems to learn about the way that he defends, how the driver behind him 
is fast or where they're fast and how they deploy their battery in the best place, best place to defend. This is why I think Max Verstappen is one of the hardest drivers to overtake, not necessarily because he's uber aggressive in his defence. I mean, albeit he is, you know, just ask Sir Lewis Hamilton. But there are occasions where Max, the longer the battle draws out, the less likely you are to overtake him because he just knows where you're quick and, and finds ways live whilst doing what he's doing to find to be able to manage that and use his car to the best of his ability. And I am an absolute sucker when it comes to drivers that defend really, really well. I can appreciate a good defensive performance. Um, and that was brilliant stuff from Max to the point. As you said, Courtney, he just looked at a point where he just looked like he was never going to make a mistake. He was just going to bring it home. And almost a bit like a tease. Like you can get close, but you're just not going to get ahead of me. Um, so, you know, with all that being said, it was a great drive from Max to recover that. A race where he looked well in control of. He now leads this championship owing to his teammates' retirement by 46 points. A gap that Charles Leclerc once held over Max Verstappen after the Australian Grand Prix back in April. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but after winning five of the last six races... Six races in a row for Red Bull. Are we at this point now? Despite the fact that I said this in April, and I'm aware of this, for those of you listening that will remember this, I said this looked like it was Ferraris and Leclerc's to lose. Are we now at a point where this championship could very well be Max Verstappen and Red Bull's to lose? Luke, what are your thoughts on this one, being the resident Max Verstappen fan on the show today? I mean, first of all, I mean, I I agree fully what Courtney said, you know, as as much as I, you know, so appreciate Max's drive and I think his defensive skills today was was superb and as you said Adam I do think that throughout those first few laps he was adjusting to how Carlos Sainz was trying to pick off you know the amount of speed that he was trying to get over Max and Max was obviously very clever to use the battery on the straight and you know there was loads of different elements around it um but going back to your point about the championship league yes it's 46 points it's 49 to Leclerc but it's not over. I mean, it's we've just had the ninth race of the season. What? How many races is there? 23? Uh, 22, yeah. Yeah, 22, 20, yeah. There's still a long way to go. We're nearly at the halfway stage. Of course, it's in Red Bull's hands. Of course, it's in Max's hands. But this season, this championship is not over. You can easily... We've seen reliability issues, not just from Ferrari, but also with Red Bull as well. Perez had an issue today. Um, you know, overall, Red Bull have had four reliability issues all season. Um and of course, they're in form, like six wins in a row. Max has won five of those six. And I mean, Max Verstappen this season has proved it's not sometimes where you quite, apart from today, obviously pole to win. But over the season, he's only been on pole position twice this season. It's not always where you start, it's where you finish. Um, but no, this season's definitely not over by a long shot. Um, I still think Charles Leclerc has got a good opportunity to to catch the Red Bulls. Um, but Ferrari obviously have a lot of work to do with their reliability issues. Um, you know, today was better. As Courtney said, there is definitely a lot of encouragement that Ferrari can take moving forward. But um, no, not at all. I mean, for the amount of years that, obviously I know you've watched Formula One and obviously you guys have watched Formula One. Obviously I've watched it a, a number of years as well. You cannot rule anyone out of, you know, these championship battles. And I'm sure over the next three to four races, Ferrari can get back to winning ways and can get back into this championship battle. So to answer your question, no, it's not over at all. I certainly hope not. Um, Lee, Courtney, what would you say to that from Luke? Do you agree with that or do you feel that this championship right now is very much Max Verstappen and Red Bulls to lose at this point? Lee? Okay, thank you, Courtney. Um, No, I would uh, say it's, it's not quite theirs to lose, but it's getting there. 
Um, they obviously Lou made a valid point about the reliability. Um, it's not quite there yet to say that Rebels got a solid car, as I mentioned earlier. But as we head more back to the European season with the classic tracks, they may find that swings more in Ferrari's favour instead of the street circuit nature of the tracks, which always just seems to have super Red Bull type um, style cars. So that is obviously going to be interesting as we head through the European season. But reliability is going to be a, a big factor towards the end of the season. And the impact of exceeding the budget cap may play a part, especially if obviously what Christian Horner says is correct that seven of the teams won't be able to go racing because they can't afford it. Oh, if you can't, if you miss races, you're not going to score points. And if Red Bull's one of the teams that happens to miss races, who knows? You you, you find out Alpine all of a sudden is like, oh, we can race and we're getting pole and winning because the other seven teams aren't um, going. And so it's there's still a lot of unknowns going through the the season. I mean, uh, obviously Mercedes um, haven't had any engine failures. Not that they're um, up there for the championship lead, but if Ferrari and Red Bull keep getting phrased left, right and centre. Mercedes are slowly pulling themselves up into constructors that you never know that all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're not the fastest, but just our reliability, we're in this. It's still, there's still a lot to play. Courtney, what are your thoughts? Do you know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate when answering your question. I don't want anyone jumping down my throat saying the Mercedes fanboy. Da, 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 da. Oh, the Mercedes fanboy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if, if hypothetically speaking, look, personally, I don't think this is going to happen. Hypothetically speaking, if Mercedes were to find this, you know, this silver bullet, I don't know, halfway through the season, they were they started developing a race-winning car. They're going to find bigger point swings race after race. If we find ourselves in a three-way battle, and Ferrari find themselves the top, so let's say hypothetically speaking, Ferrari are the best, followed by Mercedes. You're then going to get bigger point swings. So not always lost. I, I think we're going to, I think particularly towards the end of the season, I think reliability is going to become even more of an issue. I think all these cars are just going to have bits dropping off from left, right and centre with these budget caps. So I think the last third of the season in particular is going to be very interesting. But if Red Bull nailed uh, the coming races before the summer break, it's going to be very difficult for Ferrari to claw back. Yeah, I just had one yeah. point. Sorry, Adam. I just had one point. I'm just talking about uh, Mercedes. George Russell's 64 points off of Max Verstappen and that's just purely and simply come to consistency and as Lee said they've not had no engine failures they've just got on with their business they've obviously not got a great car at the moment to win races but I agree I Mercedes for me they are like Manchester United like you just cannot rule someone like that out and if they do get two, three races down the line, if they get those upgrades right and if they get everything that's in place, you never know. Like Something can happen down the line. It's Anything can happen, but by far, this this championship's not over by, by a long shot. But hopefully on a Red Bull point of view, hopefully they do continue what they're doing. But obviously it's, it's, not, it's not over by a long shot at all. I'd say Ferrari was more like Man United at the moment. And that's all talk, loads of money, all the promise in the world, the best people out there. And at the end of the season, they win nothing. So... <laughs> We'll, uh, uh, yeah, how many is just basing it on this season? Yeah, I get well, what you mean. Well, so am I, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go. All that early promise. We're top of the table by April. Yeah, where are you in November? We'll see. Um, but anyway, look, just looking through the chat, just uh, some comments on this. Obviously, uh, signs. Uh, Shania Jones, hi Shania, uh, saying Sainz tried to charge every single lap at the end. He may have done a good job to hold off a lap or two. DRS kept him close, but Max had him figured out by then. Yeah, I absolutely probably agree with that one. 
Um, looking for else. Max is just unstoppable from Perpetual Richard. Yep, just seems that way at the moment. Uh, Ming Ling Lee comments as well saying Red Bull looks far easier to drive than the Ferrari, especially corner entry. The Red Bull is so much more stable. I'd probably argue it's the other way round, but the Red Bull appears to be the faster race car at this moment in time and obviously the more reliable at the moment as well. Um, but let's talk about Charles Leclerc briefly. I mean, we can all agree Sainz had a good day today. Ultimately, he didn't get the win, but he did a great job. Uh, so well done to him. Charles Leclerc starting P19 rather than dead last because Yuki Tsunoda started behind him. Um, ultimately, that was the only reason why Leclerc was in qualifying, really, just to outperform Tsunoda. But um, obviously, you know, had a hard time getting through the field. Obviously, Ferrari set him up to try and overtake on the straights. The harder tyres just lost grip. He had no rear grip, which really hurt him once he got up to the likes of Bottas and Esteban Ocon, which he was behind for a long time. Then he got that safety car. After his pit stop, he could have really done with it coming around about that time. That might have got him a bit closer. But ultimately, finished in P5 behind the two Mercedes, Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen. Quick one on this one, guys, with Charles Leclerc. Would you consider that a good result for him under the circumstances? I feel like whilst P3 theoretically might have been possible, I think Ferrari might have underestimated how quick the Mercedes duo were today in terms of the fact that despite the fact Hamilton was worried Leclerc was going to be fighting him at the end, they were nowhere near him, to be honest. I think the only thing I can say to describe Leclerc's race is, yeah, it could have been a lot better, but unfortunately for him, he got alpined. It's becoming a bit of a theme. If you get stuck behind an alpine driver, you're going to be stuck there for quite a while. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, but... It is what it is. As I said, I don't think it was going to be easy to overtake, and I think that's where Ferrari... Um, just came up a bit short. I mean, there wasn't a good pit stop as well for Leclerc. He lost a few seconds, which got him stuck in that group. So that really did hurt him a bit. But I'll be honest with you, I think if someone had said to me that Leclerc was going to be P5 today, I probably would have thought, yeah, that'd probably be okay. And as I said, you know, when things happen, they just didn't happen at the right time for him. It was just a little bit unfortunate. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Lee, what did you think of Leclerc's day today? It was a good sort of recovery. I mean, the uh, he didn't have to fight past Sergio, so that was one obstacle out of the way. Um, he could have obviously, as uh, Corny touched on the Alpine, sort of block roadblocks him again, but that's just seems to be what they're good at this season. Um, but I, I think five is a very good place and um, place for for them. You see, I think Mercedes probably performed better in the race than. Mercedes even expected them to do based on how they were going through practice. So Ferrari obviously thought they would be flying past Mercedes, which is why they were thinking P3 was possible. So mm. now obviously Mercedes was faster, but P5 is a solid result. It's a good um, recovery drive. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, it, was a, you know, it was a good job for Leclerc. I think he did the best job that he could. Yeah, Mercedes seemed to be a bit quicker than I think a lot of us were expecting, even Mercedes themselves. It, it just felt like the performance that that was required. I think even if Leclerc, if Leclerc was in a red ball today, he might have got onto the podium. But again, you know, he was holding onto those hard tyres as long as he could. I don't really feel that the way the race was going, that P3 was possible. I think some teams just succeeded Ferrari's calculations. Um, let's just see. Shiro in the comments saying, um, oh no, I'll come back to that one afterwards, Shiro. But thank you for the subscription. I'm, um, we'll talk about that in a moment. 
Um, Perpetual Richard saying, uh, I don't think that the title race is over, but the way you guys are talking about it, it seems like you guys see Mercedes winning it ahead of Ferrari and Red Bull. Well, to be fair, Richard, um, Luke was the one that mentioned that, the Max Verstappen fan. So, um, and, and, and honestly, I don't believe that Mercedes are really in the driver's title fight or the uh, constructors, but the way things are going, George Russell's consistency has been very, very good. He's only 18 points off of Perez. And Mercedes aren't that far off Ferrari. Mercedes, as I said, Mercedes scored more points today than any other constructor, I believe, I think with the third and fourth. Yeah. So in fairness, you know, it, it's that level of consistency, despite not having the car on merit that can challenge for race wins at this point in time. If they do end up being in that position, that's something that people are going to have to worry about. I don't think you can ignore them. So I don't believe that they're in the fight at all at the moment. But, you know, the way things are going, if they improve their car and they're as consistent as they have been, then they are going to be a threat. I don't think we can ignore that. But anyway, look, let's move on. And uh, funny enough, I'm just saying we didn't talk about Mercedes much. Now we're going to move on to Mercedes. So that's quite ironic. So uh, <laughs> you got us there. Sorry, guys. Um, but anyway, look, Mercedes had a good day today. I think Hamilton, arguably, probably the happiest we've seen him this weekend. He was really happy after qualifying. Very solid in the race. You know, he managed to get past Alonso a few times. This time he had a bit of luck on his side as well. I think we can all agree in previous races, Hamilton has not had much luck. And and it, obviously he borrowed George Russell's setup. It must be said as well, he was experimenting on setups. So obviously that seemed to favour him a lot better. So, and George Russell was a solid P4. So overall, I think Mercedes will be delighted with that. There, there seemed there was a big opportunity for at least one podium today. And I think they'll be rather happy that they scored more points than everyone else. So, uh, Courtney, what were your thoughts on Mercedes' performance today? Um pretty much maximum that they could have hoped for. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think after Baku, I think there was real concerns that Mercedes were falling back more than anything else. I think the the, the biggest question we're going to be asking about Mercedes moving forward is how, how much of an effect is this new directive that the FIA are bringing in about porpoising going to affect? Because let's not forget that that new regulation is going to be coming in from Silverstone onwards. So this is when we're going to be seeing exactly where teams are going forward. But it'd be interesting to see how Mercedes develop after that directive is brought in. Because once the porpoising is out of the way, I do feel that Mercedes are going to start figuring out a few things. But in terms of their performance this weekend, yeah, great performance from them. It just shows that I do believe that Mercedes have, in terms of driver pairings, I think they have the most talented on the grid. Because if one driver has an off day, you can... 100% rely on the other to sort of pick up the pieces. And we saw both of them on song this weekend, picked up probably the maximum points that they could expect. And yeah, again, if someone was talking with you about Adam um, before we start recording, we're not getting carried away. We're not saying that Mercedes are able to challenge the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari on merit right now. But I do believe that Mercedes have got close enough that if we still have a chaotic race where we have one or two of the big names going out, we have safety cars here, there and everywhere, Mercedes do have a fast enough car to win a race. So I don't think that record that Lewis Hamilton has of um, winning a race every season, I do think he has a chance to win a race this season. I just don't think they're going to be able to challenge consistently. Yeah, it was at that point in the race. I know a lot of people were saying, I think Martin Brundle said it on commentary, that, um, you know, he was surprised that Hamilton was quite close to signs and Verstappen towards the end. But I think we've got to remember here that Hamilton was probably pushing as fast as he could because he was more worried about Leclerc. He completely left Russell, who obviously felt that he had 
fourth covered. Ultimately, he did, so he was fine in that regard. But Hamilton was really pushing to keep up with Sainz and Verstappen. And granted, yeah, you know, he was doing okay to stay within a few seconds. But I'll be honest with you guys, you know, ultimate pace is fine. And we all agree that over one lap, you know, it's only going to be a small margin between the three teams compared to a lot of other teams in the field where the gap's a bit wider. But then when you're running a full race distance and you've got to manage fuel, you have to manage tyres. The Mercedes guys with their car right now obviously have a lot more to counteract than Ferrari and Red Bull. And Ferrari and Red Bull are able to stretch further away. So I do feel that people thinking Mercedes are back just because Hamilton was only a few seconds off at the end of the race. I don't believe that to be the case. I think it's just one of those situations where it was inflated a bit. But as you said, Courtney, they're there to pick up the pieces. That's what they've been doing, especially George Russell. That's what he's been doing this season. And it was another solid day to them. And uh, just looking at the chat, Shiro, you are absolutely right. I'm wrong on this one. Ferrari did outscore Mercedes today, but you can imagine my lack of enthusiasm for Ferrari at the moment as a fan that obviously I've completely overlooked that. So I apologize. I got that one wrong. But um, I don't think Ferrari, got, I mean, Ferrari would be somewhat happy, I suppose, that, but um, only gaining four points on Red Bull. I don't think that's going to be much to shout about at the moment, given their championship situation. But we'll see. Still early days. Plenty of time for Ferrari to turn this around. Let's move on to some of the other stories in the race today. And Alpine, no less. Now, start of the race, Fernando Alonso starting on the front row of the grid. There was always that tantalising opportunity that everyone was hoping he might get a great start and cause Max Verstappen problems. Ultimately, it fell flat at the moment the lights went out. Max just got away brilliantly and that was the end of that one. But the race didn't really come to Alonso until the very, very end. He was very unlucky with the strategy calls and, you know, he probably could have pitted earlier, decided not to. Then the second opportunity came, didn't pit. They seemed like they were gambling on a bigger safety car. Ultimately, it came a bit later than they would have liked. So Alonso ended up finishing P7 and he had some reliability issues of his own. Ocon in P6, despite the fact that Alonso was in a podium position and at one point fighting Lewis Hamilton for a podium, do you think they'll be too disappointed that they came away with 6th and 7th? Um, Lee, I'll come to you first on this one. I, I think if they went into the weekend and told you told her up in the 6th or 7th, they'd be, oh yeah, okay, I'll take that. That's a, that's a solid result. But Fernando, especially being the fierce competitor, is I think he'd be slightly disappointed he wasn't higher up considering he started second. And be like, ah, oh, I could have got fourth, I could have got fifth, I could have got a podium. Some just he would just be frustrated that he couldn't deliver on what he wanted after qualifying. Obviously, a race win, but he he wasn't really going to have a shot at that. Um, he's probably more thinking I'm going to do a Fernando train and. The rest of the grid is going to be behind me for 70 laps. That that was probably more <laughs> his thinking. Um, but yeah, he would have been disappointed for not um, delivering from a second slot and giving a podium to the team. Yeah. Although it was a good yeah. result. It felt a little underwhelming, didn't it, with yeah. Fernando? It felt like, well, you know, everyone gets excited about El Plan and we know Fernando can really pull it out when he has to. And it felt like it was an opportunity today, but... For whatever reason, when the big moments came with a virtual safety car, both of them, the strategy just never played into his hands and it caused him to lose ground to Lewis Hamilton today and ultimately to Russell Leclerc and his teammates. So I think you'd be a bit disappointed about how the race unfolded and obviously a bit of engine reliability issues as well that he was having towards the end. So I think if someone have offered him P7 today, I don't think he'd have taken it. But I think overall, I think Alpine would be relatively satisfied with Ocon's progress in the race um you know qualifying qualified okay in p7 obviously you know you got ahead of the two hasses at the start but uh yeah i think you'd be happy today 
Um, Luke, what did you make of Ocon today? I mean, probably relatively happy with his performance. I think the only person who probably won't be looking forward to seeing him after the race is Charles Leclerc, the latest victim of the Alpine trains that seem to be developing all the time at every street circuit we go to. It seems to be another Alpine block in the field. I mean, they're obviously wide as London buses right now. He's Yano truly 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, he's learning from his teammate after his Monaco yeah. antics, wasn't he? And Yeah, yeah I was going to say. I mean, I, w- I was saying about when, when um, I think it was Lewis, he got in front of Ocon and um, Alonso. Yeah, I agree, Adam. I think one of the two opportunities under the virtual safety car, they missed the opportunity with Alonso. Um, I think Alonso could be quite disappointed that he's not fought for a podium place today. Um Obviously, yeah, he started second. I think he was good enough to maybe finish inside the top three. Um, but obviously, yeah, in the end of it, Alpine have just got their strategy wrong with him, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think with with Ocon, there was there was a situation where it was like hungry all over again, but the other way around. Like, can you hold Hamilton up to really get Alonso back into play? And unfortunately, he wasn't able to hot. Like, obviously, a lot older tires, and Lewis had a lot more straight line speed with the RS as well. Obviously, took past him straight away, but. I think on one side, I think Ocon should be quite pleased considering, as Lee said before, Perez retired as well. They didn't have to worry about him. Um, obviously, surges from the likes of Haas as well. They had their problems today. So I think they, they've, they'll they be satisfied, I think, with sixth and seventh. But I do think, as we said, going back to Alonso, I think he'd be a little bit disappointed that he's not really sort of mounted that challenge for a podium place today because I wanted to see it. I really did. Like, you know, Alonso starting second on the grid. I think, is he the oldest driver, I think, that started on the front row for so many years? I don't know. And it's just, it's one of those things like fantasy, isn't it? Well, I you, just want him you'd to... have to go back to the 50s and 60s yeah. to find, and other than Michael Schumacher. Yeah, it would have been Schumacher in Monaco 2012, but he never started on pole in that race. And he got sent to the back of the grid, didn't he? So, uh, or something like that, yeah. So it would probably would have been the oldest front row start technically since Schumacher. Mm. But as I said, we never got to see that. But, yeah, as I said, Alpine, I think, you know, it depends on who you ask. Ocon will be relatively happy of his performance. Alonso, probably less so, and just ruining missed opportunities. But, you know, we're in a situation in this championship right now where Alpine are picking up regular points and they're starting to, other than the top three, and even in some cases they were in the fight with those teams today to a degree. Maybe not Red Bull, but certainly at point Ferrari with Leclerc and obviously with at the beginning of the race you know Alonso was keeping up with signs obviously making good use of that DRS so right now they're battling McLaren in the constructors championship it's now four points between them in McLaren's favor McLaren didn't score today no. they didn't get many points either in Baku we're starting to see a bit of a shift now where Alpine's starting to steal a bit of a march right now they look like they could be the best of the rest outside the top three teams um what are your thoughts on this one Courtney do you feel like this very much advantage Alpine and what do they need to do to just keep having that advantage against McLaren? Yeah, right now it's looking good for, for Alpine. But the trend that we're noticing with Alpine is that they have a good qualifying car, but the race car doesn't have that optimal speed. You know, we talked about other teams having that fast speed consistently. It doesn't look like Alpine are able to do that. So when you go to street circuits, that's why they're such a nuisance because they get themselves into a high position and then the teams that have the faster race pace behind them just aren't able to get past and this is why I think this section of the season Alpine have been scoring so well it'd be interesting now we're going to go into more open circuits like Silverstone where you know it's going to be easier to overtake it'd be interesting to see where McLaren are able to bounce back 
But if we're if we're looking forward for the rest of the season, you're saying there's going to be a tight battle between Alpine and McLaren. Alpine have got two drivers that seem to be at the best of their form. You look at McLaren, most of the time there's only one driver that's operating at their best. McLaren are going to need Dan Ricciardo to find that extra pace that we've constantly been asking of him in order to get those extra points in the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, absolutely right. And it, it could come down to that. I mean, Silverstone could be a good race for McLaren. Obviously, they're very good in straight line speed and obviously good at high speed corners. So we might see a bit of a change in the pecking order at that circuit. So it's going to be quite exciting. But of course, we'll talk a bit more about that at our British Grand Prix preview coming up in a couple of weeks time. Just looking through the chat on this one. Um, yeah, Perpetual Richard saying another DNF for Red Bull and Perez. This is just terrible. Yeah, it wasn't the best day for Perez. I mean, and as Ming Lee adds to that, saying he was a bit average um, in Baku. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, you know, it was one of those strange races for Red Bull where they had it under control after Ferrari's reliability. And obviously Max did a better job than Perez. To be expected, they didn't really have to push in that one. Um, looking for the chat, MotoGP Adam. Um, hi, welcome to the chat. Hope you are well. Saying, I was hoping for Carlos to get a win. Yeah, same. I think I think we all, well maybe not so much Luke but I think the rest of us were at some point in this one. Vamos Carlos. <laughs> Vamos Carlos. Uh, in do you know what? It sounds it's, sorry. Yeah. It sounds mad, but like I, I it, on the side of me, I would like to have seen Carlos Sainz win, but you know, it was the driver that I didn't want him to pass. You, you know, don't have to be things. magnanimous yeah. in this. One. <laughs> but you, yeah, it's, it's you just... don't have to be magnanimous in this one. If this was role <laughs> reversal, I would want Car Carlos Sainz literally to hold up Max Verstappen as much as he could. But um, it's just how it goes sometimes. It's, you know, it is what it is. But um, look, what we do need to we do need to move on at this point. I must say, I, I would love to talk, but we do have to move on with this one. Just looking for the chat, more people joining in. Obviously, guys, if you are new to the chat and you've just joined us, feel free to weigh in. Let us know your thoughts of the race so far. And of course, if you are new to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Absolutely free. We do more race reviews like this and previews. And of course, we do qualifying watch-alongs as well with some great guests, might I add. So definitely do stick around. Let's move on to a team who I think have gone under the radar for a little while now. But I must say, credit where credit is due, Alfa Romeo did a fantastic job today. Valtteri Bottas, a mega recovery. Made that hard tyre first in last obviously benefited from that safety car from Yuki Tsunoda and managed to get himself up into P8 and then we had Joe Guan Yu who once again was flying the flag for the team in qualifying did a great job and he finished in P9 so brilliant stuff for Alfa Romeo guys what did we make of Alfa Romeo today it almost come out of nowhere really and both of them in the points getting some solid points in their battle in the championship which right now seems to be with the likes of Alpha Tauri and Aston Martin, although looking at the standings, they're well ahead of them right now. So, Lee, what did you make of Alfa Romeo today? I think they'll be delighted with that. I think they'll be delighted. It's uh, when, when the race finished, you're looking at the standings, you'll see in the last 10 so laps, we were so focused on the lead of the race. It's like, what the, what the Alfa Romeo is doing there? Where did they come from? It's, I completely flew under my radar when <laughs> I'm looking at the, the finishing order because I just wasn't expecting them to be there. Um, but a solid race for them. Um, obviously, their Bottas was overtaking left, right, and centre. It's just uh, a solid driving from Grow as well. It's a really, really impressive drive from both of them. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the normal Valtteri Bottas stick around in P7 and see where he finishes, you know, quite comfortably. He did have to fight his way through. He made that one-stop work for him. He obviously took advantage of that safety car in the way that Charles Leclerc probably would have wanted to if he'd stayed out a bit longer. But, you know, he, he did a good job in the end. And uh, 
should be praised for that. And Joe Guan Yu, a, a guy who's still finding his feet in this sport. And I think, again, another guy that's gone under the radar. I think it's quite easy to look at other rookies in the field, although he's the only one for this season, so we can't really compare him too much. But other drivers like Sonoda, Mick Schumacher, for example, who are grabbing big headlines right now. But he's the one that's putting the performances in week in, week out, and he's got another few good points today. So, Courtney, he's what still the rookie of the year, Adam. Yeah, I mean, no matter yeah. what happens, he's going to be... I mean, he could have driven like Mazepin this season. He still would have won rookie of the year. So uh, <laughs> it's not much of a competition. But as I said, Courtney, what did you make of uh, Joe Guan Yu today? A bit of a surprise. Got a little bit flustered behind Sonoda but, and Stroll, of course. But uh, yeah, I think he'd be happy with P9. Yeah, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a trend from uh, Guan Yu Zhou, actually. Because let's not forget, before he's DNF in Baku, he's actually having another tidy weekend there. You know, he's put the performance in in qualifying. He put the, uh, the performance in the race as well. And for a team of um, Alfa Romeo's sort of size and ambition, that's the sort of result you expect from one of your drivers. So I don't think at the beginning of the season, if you'd asked me which, you know, which drivers are in danger of going out through the trap door, I would have put Juan Jujo down as one of those. But right now, I think he's got, he's got himself quite a safe stick for next season. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I mean, it all seems to hinge right now on whether or not we're going to get a Chinese Grand Prix on the Canada in 2023. The latest I've heard is that that may not be so straightforward. And of course, I'll be talking a little bit about that a little more, actually, with uh, George Morgan in our next episode, guys, that we recorded last week. So definitely check that out when that goes out on Friday. It's a really good discussion that we'll get into a little bit more then. Um, just looking through the chat, MotoGP Adam saying, I subbed. Thank you so much for the sub, Adam. I really appreciate that. Perpetual Richard saying, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for the support. Really, really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. You guys are enjoying what we do. John Moore in the chat as well. Hi, John, saying, my son would love this channel, knows everything about the F1. Luke could back me up on that one. Mm. And uh, sounds like one of your Liverpool friends, Luke. So, uh, um, yeah. well, I hope he enjoys the content. Absolutely. More the merrier. Um just seeing there remember f1 only reached china around 2004 yeah it, it hasn't been on the calendar that long but it, it does 2004 does seem doesn't seem that long ago but it very much is i start to feel old thinking how long ago that was anyway look i digress let's move on to from one team that surprisingly did very well this weekend to one that will be very disappointed and that was Haas. qualified start of the day fifth and sixth we had Gunther Steiner talking to Sky F1 about the possibility of a tough race, but trying to do everything they could to maximise on what a brilliant Saturday that they did. And unfortunately for them, it just came up short for so many different reasons. Mick Schumacher's reliability concerns when he was in the points, although he didn't get the best of starts. And Kevin Magnussen tangling with Lewis Hamilton again, although this time um, Hamilton managed to avoid damage and Magnussen having to pay the price for getting a little bit too close on this one. What were your thoughts on that incident, guys? Because I watched it and I thought, I didn't think there was much in there. I just think it was one of those, once again, where Magnussen put his car in a position where, you know, there's not much room for error. And unfortunately, he got a little bit tagged. It wasn't Lewis's fault. And uh, it unfortunately just ruined K-Mag's race. What were, your, what were your thoughts on that one, Lee? Um, I, d I definitely think it was a, uh, more of a racing incident. It was actually... Um, so almost similar to how it happened in Barcelona, just as you said, it didn't impact Lewis's race. Um, but I, I can just imagine um, on the drive to survive, the, the amount of content that Gunter Stein is going to get this year, of swearing on the phone or explaining to Gene Haas, it's just going to be this race. Uh, Gunter's having a, uh, and it's going to be Gunter, Gunter. And it's like loads of content. He's just given Netflix a, a whole 
list of um, things they can just do with him and swearing and it's going to be... Uh, you can just replay that, that scene, can't you, from <laughs> yeah, Drive to Survive. What was it, 2017, <laughs> when he says, oh, I'm sadly look like a bunch of rock stars yeah. and today we'll look like a bunch of fucking wankers or something like that. I, I yeah. feel for Gunfire. I want to give the I guy really a hug. Do. I really do. And it was so unfortunate because Haas really needed the boost. And, the, and they're a great bunch of men and women in that team that do such a fantastic job uh, with very little that they have and this was a car that and in the wet conditions that it handles very very well it just doesn't seem to have that performance in the race for whatever reason so they're just gonna have to go again but on the back of such great qualifying hopes maybe not a fifth and sixth but maybe some points and it's been a while since they scored points Courtney I think we will all agree that Huss will be absolutely gutted that they've come away once again mm. with absolutely nothing really both their guys really struggling in this race uh, for different reasons but ultimately Mick Schumacher retiring for reliability Magnussen finishing dead last I feel um, first of all I just want to say how refreshing it was to see a team principal on Sky Sports other than Christian Horner <laughs> so that was good that 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 was good to say I remember yeah, watching the yeah. coverage and I, I, was, I was going around doing um, Martin Brundle was doing the, the grid bulk and I saw him walk past um Christian Orna and I was like don't do it don't speak to him don't speak to him oh <laughs> so it, every honestly it's it, I don't know if you have some kind of sponsorship deal with them I don't know I don't know if, if Sky Sports are going to have a sponsorship deal with a Red Bull coming up but come on let's let's see some more of like other team principles it's, it's annoying but I've stated this many times in the past but in terms of the weekend yeah, I think they'd be very disappointed given where they started. It was just down to bad luck, mainly. You know, I think both of the drivers put good performances in. Um, the, the slight tangle that Magnussen had with Lewis Hamilton, it's one of those that could have gone either way. You know, they, on, on another day, Lewis Hamilton could have got a puncture and uh, Kevin Magnussen's front wing would have been perfectly fine. It's one of those things. Both of those drivers have been the victims or have got lucky either way, during their uh, various tangles they've had throughout their careers. It's just all a part of the sport, unfortunately, for Haas. Yeah, absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. Um, just looking at the chat as well, uh, Naomi coming in here as, as well, saying, forget Horner and Wolf. I want more gum for screen time. Yeah, absolutely yeah, agree with you. Agreed. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. And uh, MotoGP Adam saying, will Mick have a seat for 2023? I think that's up to Ferrari more than anything else. And I think the relationship between Mick and Haas is a very good one. I can't see any reason why Haas would get rid of him. I think it'd be more detrimental to them to get rid of him. I think they want more yeah. money from Ferrari. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. They, they want more <laughs> se technical secrets, although where permitted, of course. We are not, we're not <laughs> suggesting that they're doing that because, of course, that's not within the rules, of course. Um, but, you know, I digress. Let's move on. I, I'm aware of time, guys. I would love to keep going on about Haas, but I wish them well in other races. One performance I do want to throw in there, Lance Stroll. It's home Grand Prix. Again, a guy under the radar, wasn't the best in qualifying, but got P10, rode his luck, managed to have kept his nose clean, which is very unlike Lance Stroll of late. But uh, yeah, doing a good job, P10 in front of a home crowd. I think uh, our friends over at Dive Bomb Podcast that went there this weekend, our Canadian friends, will be very happy with that result. Um, Luke, what did you make of Lance Stroll's day today? This is going to sound very, very bizarre, but I thought he was driver for the day. That's so bizarre. I, that is bizarre. Uh, <laughs> Are you sure? I mean, you sure? No, um... I, I think he's up there. I think himself, I mean, he obviously got a bit of luck with the safety car, but to go pretty much up to 50 laps on those hard tyres, you know, to get himself in a position to stay consistent, 
it was under pressure for a long time. I mean, the, the, the trolley train was back with Stroll um, at times in the race today. And I, I, I do think that he had a great race and I think he deserved the point in the end of it. I think shout outs to the likes of Bottas as well. I think he, again, like that, we was everyone was talking about tire degradation today, um, and I think you have to look at someone like Lance Stroll, as you said, and um, yeah, he rode his luck a little bit, you know, with the safety cars. But I think he drove a very solid race, and I think he went under the radar, and that's why for me, I, I sort of look at those drivers as one of the drivers of the day because he didn't really put a foot wrong at all, and he just done sort of the unthinkable today and no one would have thought that after his qualified performance yesterday he'd be in that point scoring position so it's easy to give it to someone like Max today or Lewis or Carlos Sainz for example but no I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it I'm, I'm gonna go with Lance Stroll I think he was brilliant today and I, I've been one of the biggest critics of Lance Stroll I you know I, I don't I don't feel over a whole season he's good enough to be in the sport over at certain times but today just goes to show that there are certain races where we could just pull it out of the bag and get a good result. So no, fair play to him. And yeah, I'm going to stick with it. I think Lance Stroll was probably one of the best drivers today. Do you know what? That's a very fair argument. Because whilst you were saying that, I was trying to think who else could I sort of throw in there? Not to say Lance Stroll don't deserve it. I was just trying to think of other contenders for this. But I'm going to agree. And I think it's his home race as well. Started P18, kept his nose clean. As I said, not something we often associate with Lance Joe. He's very much a driver that tends to be in the walls more often than not. He very rarely has a boring race. So, yeah, I think home race, P10 from where he was. And obviously beat his teammate as well today. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give that to him. Um, let us know in the chat, guys, who was your driver of the day today? It would be interesting to see what you guys think on this one. Seeing there's quite a lot of you actually in watching this right now, which is brilliant stuff. So, uh, yeah, glad we're doing a live episode. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Courtney, Lee, quick one. Drive of the day. Would you agree with Stroll being it, or do you think it might be someone else? Uh, I, I think I think Lance Stroll is in the running, but you know, I think I'm going to give it to Carlos Sainz. You know, I think just from the, the 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 mental journey that the guy's been on in in recent races, I've been saying it for a long time. Carlos Sainz has needed a clean and competitive weekend, and he's done both. So I think for me, in terms of driver development, I'm going to give it to Carlos Sainz. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Lee, what about you? I would actually agree with Courtney on this one, um, that uh, Lance is obviously had a good race and be a contender, but I would actually give it to Carlos as well as uh, my driver of the day. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm going to stick with Stroll. Just looking at the chat, Perpetual Richard going with Max, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's, I think it's a fair shout for Max. You know, there's not much more Max could have done, really. I mean, he's True. perfect in qualifying. He was absolutely brilliant in qualifying. It was reminiscent of Hamilton in 2020 in Austria in the wet, how dominant he was there. It was very similar what Max was doing in that race, although that's, that's my opinion, so take that for what you will. And... Um, yeah, I think Max is a very good shout. It's just one of those when you're leading and you're so dominant at the moment, it's very hard to really appear special. It's more like you're great everywhere. It's just hard to be outstanding when you're winning all the time and doing what you're doing. It's But it is what it is. Um, MotoGP, Adam saying Charles Leclerc. I think Leclerc had a good race, but uh, I don't think he had a fantastic one. I think he did what was expected of him today, and um, I think others did, did a better job. But uh, there we go. Um, Vettel. Vettel was also a driver that was involved in a lot of battles today. Qualifying was underwhelming. You know, he did. Did he? Uh, I think he went out in Q. Did he go out in Q1? Q1. Yeah, he did. He did yeah. yeah. That, was got, a, that was a big shock. That was a big shock. He was yeah. Very good in practice. Mm. Um, yeah. Very surprising that one. I had him in my top five, but uh, yeah, it was absolutely nowhere near it. But there you go. But uh, no, he recovered in the race, but only P12 in the end. 
uh, there was a bit of a safety car infringement. I'm not quite sure what the outcome of that investigation was. We'll probably hear about that later on on the social media. But uh, yeah, not the best day for Sebastian Vettel. Um, any thoughts on his day or shall we move on to... Yeah, it was, it was a quiet one for him, mm, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let's see. We got Alpha Tauri. Um, we talked about Sonoda already. Disappointing for him today because he was driving very, very well despite his penalties that he got in qualifying like Leclerc, got into the points and then obviously made that mistake after his pit stop, which could have been the difference between getting points and not getting points, to be honest. But uh, we'll have to, we'll, we'll never know, unfortunately. Gasly, well, qualifying didn't work out for him. Went out in Q1 and um, he just had some issues with the car today. He looked like he was driving with one hand behind his back. He just couldn't concentrate. I suppose the most interesting moment this weekend was a leaked video of him riding along in Charles Leclerc's car wearing a Ferrari hat as a bit of a joke and uh, liked by Pierre Gasly, if you like. So uh, probably want to put that one at the back of his head this weekend, wouldn't you say, Lee? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be for him. He's like, bring on Silverstone, bring on the rest of the European season and Pierre will be back at it and attacking how he was it we saw him back yeah very much so um let's talk about mclaren ricardo norris p11 for ricardo just missing out on the points lando norris really struggled today and i think we need to be fair to lando he had some problems with the car he'd lost some performance and uh got the double stack as well at the beginning of the race when he was behind his teammate and look i'll give lando the caveats and the benefit of the doubt saying that he had those problems with his car but Ultimately, the double stack came as a result of him being behind his teammate, really. So should we be saying that's Ricardo's up in his game or Lando's gone down a bit or a bit of both? What do we reckon, uh, Luke? What do you reckon on that one? Yeah, a bit of both. I do think Lando's dropped. Um, I mean, Rick calls him the YouTube driver. I mean, I don't know if he's oh, really concerned on that. <laughs> no, we're we'll we'll going to get controversial up. moments now, <laughs> indirectly via what Rick thinks. Yeah, if he comes what you think. he's, he's just so concerned on his YouTube channel. Um, I just generally think that, uh, as you said, I think they're, they're very concerned about the performance of the car as well. It hasn't been up to scratch. I think Alpine have taken a, a massive stride in moving forward as one of the best cars in the midfield. Um, it, it, they've been very inconsistent though McLaren haven't they first couple of races they were quite poor and then they found themselves back in the mix of you know scoring some big points and and now they've sort of fell back again I mean it's just one of those things uh, I'd, maybe I mean the British Grand Prix could be a, a sort of blessing in disguise for them like the straight line speed and the high speed corners it could favour them um, Landon Norris will definitely be up for it as his home race and you know Ricardo, with the experience he has he's always you know, a threat to any driver to score points as well, but not the best of weekends for them. And I do think the double stack sort of summed up their weekend a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully, you know, I, I like McLaren. Obviously the, the battles over the years with McLaren and Ferrari, I'd love to see that again one day in the future, but nah, I just, I think it was a poor weekend for them and hopefully for Britain, they turn it around. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It should be a better circuit for McLaren, but right now Alpine have gained ground on them and fourth place is very much under threat at a point McLaren were fighting with Mercedes at one point they thought they were going to be on par with them now they're sort of looking over their shoulder at Alpine and Alpine seem to be well clear of them at the moment so hopefully for their sake they'll turn it around just seeing an interesting comment here guys I want to get your thoughts on Davina James uh hi Davina uh, she mentions Sebastian Vettel quickly and she reckons she well she asked a question to us do you think he should retire I know he's good but he seems to be floundering it's an interesting one um, I mean, I think Vettel's been quite good of late. Today was less than spectacular. Um, but uh, 
I, I don't know. I think it's one of those that I don't... I think Vettel is up to his desire whether he wants to stay or yeah. not. Um, but it's up to Aston Martin. Can they convince him or do Aston want to keep him? Um, interesting one. Guys, quick one on this one before we move on to the final part. What are your thoughts on Vettel? Should he retire at the end of the season or do you think he should stick with Aston Martin? Or do you think Aston Martin should keep him? Well, Courtney, let's go to you first. Uh, yeah, I, I do think he has, I'd say, another season to offer. But we have seen with Sebastian Vettel that his mindset has shifted more towards political, but chiefly uh, climate change issues. You know, he was he was doing a campaign against uh, a climate change with uh, the policies in Canada. I'm not going to go too deep into that, obviously, but there does seem to be a shift. You know, he, he appeared on Question Time a few weeks ago, and it's similar. We're seeing sort of flashes of Lewis Hamilton as well that. You can see these drivers coming towards the end of the career and they're thinking about what they're going to do once they exit the sport. And once you start doing that, you have to be 100% focused on F1 to get that tenth of a second or two that you need to have an advantage over your competitors. So we're seeing with Lewis in recent years that he's able to do that. But maybe with Sebastian being as passionate about these issues that he's made clear, maybe he's starting to think about the future away from Formula 1. Yeah, maybe so. Um, Lee, what are your thoughts on that? I, I I think Aston Martin wants Sebastian. It's completely in up to Sebastian if he's going to stay. He's made it very clear in the past he's not there to make up numbers. He's there to win and 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 do what at the end of the day he loves doing. He he's raced for most of his life. That's that's what he loves and enjoys doing. Obviously, it's not a hobby like it was for Kimi. This is a serious thing for Sebastian. Sebastian loves the sport. So it'd be a big decision for Sebastian to walk away from Formula One because just, just his love for the sport and the passion. But Aston Martin would have to live with the car. And if Sebastian feels that he's not going to have the car and he's going to be drowning around the back, he will make up his mind and walk away. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, going on slightly off topic, that in the future we'll see Sebastian as the, the FIA president. Oh, that, that just would be seems to be something up his street in the future. I agree. Or at least the race director. Um <laughs> Although he may, if he was FIA president, I imagine the first thing he would do was acknowledge in the record books that the 2019 Canadian Grand Prix was won by him and not <laughs> Sir Lewis Hamilton. And uh, look, I know you guys might disagree. I think that was an outrageous decision. But anyway, look, we're not going to get into that one again because we'll be here all night. Uh, and I've got a flight to catch tomorrow morning, so I'd rather not. Um, Luke, thoughts on Vettel. Should he retire at the end of the season or should he stay on? And if so, should Aston Martin keep him? So, do you know what? It's so, t- I mean, I, I love Sebastian Vettel. Um, everything he's done on the track and off the track, he's just been an ultimate professional for the sport. But I think maybe give it one more season. And I think, again, sort of as what the guys were saying, if Aston Martin maybe can't deliver the car he wants, or if he's just generally f- sort of not falling in love for the sport for what, you know, he did when he was winning sort of races at Red Bull and championships, then you could see Sebastian walk away. But this season, no, definitely not. But it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe another year or so, you could see Sebastian Vettel sort of walk away from the sport. But difficult, but not not yet. Mm. Yeah, remains to be seen. We'll have to, obviously, plenty of time for him to mull over that if he hasn't already. Uh, Davina James saying, Alonso's heart seems to still be in it. Vettel, however, I'm not so sure. I'd say Lewis looked to be getting his drive back as well. Also got George Morgan in the chat as well, watching George. 
How are you doing, mate? I hope you had a fantastic weekend commentating in Spa on the GT and Euro Formula Series. Of course, guys, if you haven't checked that out, I definitely recommend it. George is definitely one of the best up-and-coming commentators out there. And, of course, was on a podcast with me that you guys will see on Friday as well, talking about the latest news in F1 as well. Um, Guys, obviously, we talked about Vettel, and I think the important factor is what other options are available to Aston Martin. I know Ricardo was touted potentially. Gasly was an option. But Franz Tost and Dr. Helmut Marko have said categorically that Gasly's staying with Alpha Tauri in 2023. So there might not be an option out there for Vettel. It could be one of those where if Vettel does leave, there'll be a gap to fill. When we may see a, a plethora of drivers in other teams looking to try and get out of their current contracts to go in there, or perhaps they might promote someone from the juniors. Um, yeah, I think yeah. If, you, if you look at Aston Martin, though, like if, if you're, let's say you're in a mid-table team and you, you have that ambition to progress into, I don't know, a race winning car or a car that's like regularly in the points. You're looking at Aston Martin right now and it just do seem to be stagnating. You know, I, I expected the biggest step up from them this season. It hasn't quite happened and I would look at the whole situation with um, obviously Lance Stroll's dad being a part of the management. I'd, I'd find that off-putting going into that team because you would have that paranoia that you're going to be the second best driver we come to um you know being involved in the development upgrades i just think the situation there does need to be ironed out for that team to develop to develop because i do feel right now that situation with, with the strolls is actually holding that team back yeah it's a strange one at the moment but um as i said it, a, lot, a lot could change at aston martin it does seem if, if a bombshell is going to happen or in the driver market it's going to come from them um, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, final t- final part before we sign off for the evening, Williams. Alex Albon, unlucky 13 for some, was in there, there or thereabouts, but obviously just didn't have the pace, but he wasn't too far off the points today. Um, he was certainly in the fight, although the safety car did help with that a little bit. Um, and then Nicholas Latifi at his home race, P16, you know, did a Decent enough job, but he had that slow pit stop where there was an issue with the tyre getting that on and uh, probably not the weekend he would have hoped for. But um, I don't really think there's much he can really say on it. I mean, it feels right now that he's on borrowed time at Williams and that given the stories we've been hearing about Oscar Piastri, that this could be the last Canadian Grand Prix we see Latifi competing in Formula One at least. So uh, what are your thoughts on Williams's weekend, Lee? What are your thoughts? Oh, I... It was just um, a weekend of woes in that aspect. It just they just couldn't get their their race strategy, and, and obviously the pits um, safety car and the car just didn't seem to work. Um, but on, on the Nicholas Latifi aspect, and going what you said about Aston Martin, if Sebastian walks away, you make the Canadian dream team with Nicholas moving to Aston Martin. Oh, that'd be something. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was oh, just no. thinking that. Liquidate, liquidate. Oh God, <laughs> we might. Oh. It's nothing against the Canadian drivers, guys. No, no, it's just no, uh, no, it's no, not the most awe-inspiring lineup. It must be said. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Courtney, um, what are your thoughts once you've finished grimacing at the thought of yeah. Latifi and Stroll for Aston Martin? Right, look, I think I think my opinions on the TV have been made clear. He's definitely on borrowed time, but I had real concerns about Williams a couple of seasons ago, you know, the, the, the future of that team. I had such great history. Obviously, you know, the family since moved on, unfortunately, the passing of Sir Frank as well. But I just worry, where did Williams go? Because apart from Alex Albon, 
you know, we're talking about Aston Martin stagnating. I think it's even more so with Williams. You know, Latifi has absolutely nothing to offer. If your car isn't fast enough, you need to have quick drivers to pick up the pieces. You know, I think I think Costa. If I if I had it my way, if I was given the, the job to make these decisions at Williams tomorrow, I'd be getting I'd be getting rid of Latifi and getting Oscar Piastri in right away, because he would offer that raw talent that that new energy that's needed at Williams. Because Albon is given that to an extent, but I feel that Albon sort of filled more the hole that was left by George Russell. But I just think they need that injection of youth and optimism. And I think Oscar Piastri would give them those little results that would give the team the boost to develop the car and be more competitive in the future. Because right now, I am worried about where Williams go in the future. Yeah, and it's a very exciting prospect, that lineup of Albon and Piastri. A lot of youth and a lot of talent in there. Certainly will be a lineup that you'd expect to get the maximum out of the car. So it's up to Williams to produce a car that's going to be able to match that level of potential. But um, look, we're very, very close to the end now. So before we sign off, Luke... Obviously, thanks for joining us on this episode of the podcast, our first exactly. live episode as well. So this has been quite fun. Seems to have gone relatively well, minus the technical difficulties that we couldn't avoid at the start. But for those of you that might be interested in Luke's show, Luke, where can our followers and listeners find you and, uh, well, basically sell your podcast to the listeners, Luke? Thank you very much, guys. Really enjoyed that chat. Obviously, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've been on, but it's been been really good to talk about Formula One and have a break about football hopefully well in the next few weeks we'll be talking about football as always but the 1892 Reds podcast we are a Liverpool based channel of course we do cover all the other teams around the Premier League but also like mainly we are obviously around Liverpool Football Club which I know Adam Courtney loves um, I'm not sure you support Lee but obviously um, it's uh, it's yeah so obviously yeah come and check us out guys Obviously, come subscribe over to our channel, but hit the like button on this channel. Hit the subscribe button. They're nearly at 700. So, guys in the chat, obviously, these guys work so hard and, you know, they it's it's brilliant content. There's the only one last thing I wanted to pick up. The only thing that was missing from Latifi's race was a collision or, you know, something <laughs> yeah. in the wall. Um, something quite inconsistent. It didn't sort of match up to the 2011 Canadian Grand Prix, but... <laughs> you know, in the end, in the end of it, Adam, thank you very much for letting me come on, Courtney Lee. Really appreciate it. And a um, oh, pleasure having you. We move on to okay. Silverstone. Yeah, for context, guys, people that aren't aware of why Luke rates the 2011 Canadian Grand Prix so high, it's not about the, what happened in the race in terms of the quality. It's more about the the silly moments, anyway. But look, that's more of an inside joke that I won't bore you with the details on. But I hope you guys enjoyed that. Of course, if you are new to the channel, we enjoyed what we do. Make sure to like the video; it really helps us out a lot. And consider subscribing to the channel if you are listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform and not live on youtube please do consider following us on there and if you can give us a five-star review please make sure to do so of course if you do not listen to us on apple itunes and you can't leave us a written review where we can see that do send a screenshot of you giving us a five-star review on your favorite on our social media which of course we've got advertised for you there so uh, dnf1 underscore official on twitter instagram and facebook and we'll give you a shout out on the next show as a reward for your continued support and that's pretty much the end of the episode guys final thoughts it seems right now that max verstappen is almost untouchable but will he remain in charge come the end of the season we'll have to wait and see the next grand prix is at silverstone the home of of racing and British motorsport. I certainly cannot wait for that one, guys. I hope you are too. But until next time, 
please stay safe. Thank you so much for tuning in and engaging in the first live episode. It was a lot of fun. We hope to do many more in the future. Until next time, we will see you in the next DNF1 podcast. And remember, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.